Hello, everyone. Welcome back to God Talk with Tara. I'm Tara, um, and we are going to see about getting back in the swing of things. The Lord seems to be speaking again, and uh, we're going to begin with prayer as always, and then we'll go on from there. Father God, thank you for the day. Thank you for your grace, for your mercy. Thank you for your encounters, Lord God, where we meet one another and and speak into one other one another's lives and listen, Father, for the words that you give us. Lord, I am so blessed by the people that you surround me with, and I am so blessed by hearing your voice in the midst of the noise of the world and the storms of the world. I pray, Lord God, that tonight you would make me small and that you would make Jesus large that my words would not be mine, Father, but that they would be yours. I pray, Lord, that you would take me right on out of the way and that whatever it is you need to speak tonight, that you would open ears to hear you, not because I want to be heard, but because, Lord God, there are so many. There are so many that need to hear your words, that need to know your voice, that need to know your mind and your heart, Father God. I pray that you would let your words flow through me tonight and that you would bring them to the ears of all who need to hear them. Father, I am so <clears throat> heavy with having waited so long to come and listen for your words to speak them again. I pray, Father, that you would bless the time. And I pray that you would forgive the absence, Lord God. And I ask in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, so I have been not doing this for the last several days. And that has primarily been because I have been exhausted and tired. And, um, and it's hard for me to hear when I'm tired, which is interesting because I'm reading a book for school right now called Why Don't We Listen Better? And it talks about how when our bellies are too full of emotion, whether they're good or bad emotions, um, or what we would say are good or bad emotions, it flattens our brain and it makes it hard for our ears to hear. So apparently tiredness <laughs> makes my belly too fat for my ears to hear. So I pray that this would be the beginning of getting back on track with things, um, and for now, the Lord has been gracious. And today it was time to speak because he has spoken loudly enough for me to hear for several days. And I am oddly enough not tired tonight, which is strange. So I want to look at a passage that we've looked at before. And I really try to avoid doing that because that's one of the mistakes that a lot of times preachers will fall into is we go back to our favorite passages of scripture and go back at them over and over again, because it's easier than diving into um, less familiar passages or diving into things we don't know as well. And I find myself very open to that possibility because realistically speaking, these are done very off the cuff. They're done with what the Lord gives me in a given moment. And in so doing them that way, it is very easy for me to fall into a pattern of going back to the same same passages over and over again and the same topics over and over again. And I really want to avoid doing that because I don't think that's what the Lord has in mind. Although there have been times when he has brought me back to a passage to explore something 
more deeply or something, a different aspect. Um, so this is one of those nights because this passage has come up repeatedly over the last several days. And I think it really needs to be spoken to. And what God is talking to me about in it is not, um, not the same as what he has talked about before. So we're going to kind of come to a couple things. Number one, there's been a meme floating around Facebook. <laughs> I hate memes. I hate memes for a lot of reasons, because typically speaking, they are sound bites that are taken deeply out of context and they lead people down paths that limit communication. So if I am having a struggle with answering somebody and I want to be flippant or I want to get out of having to actually have a conversation on Facebook with somebody, I can just post a meme with, you know, my eyes rolling or the little baby shaking their finger or, you know, some other snotty comment. And it lets me off the hook for having an actual conversation. And I have found that more and more, this didn't used to be the case so much on Facebook, but more and more as meme generators have gotten more prevalent, um, conversation has gotten less prevalent. You, you begin to have nothing but a bunch of people slapping up pictures. And I find that to be not very useful. And so I generally avoid memes. Um, but every now and then something will catch my attention that just really makes it so that I don't have a, I just really can't entirely avoid what it's saying. Um, and that sort of has happened this week. There's been a meme that has been going around that says uh, something along the lines of they, them, and me, we as demons. Um, so, so people that use these, the only people that use these in scripture are, are demons that it's, you know, demons use the term they, them, and us and we to refer to themselves. And I, I want to talk about a that a little bit. Now I did a little bit of research on not, not much, like really not much, like a minute and a half and checked a couple of links that come up. And it seems that where this comes from are some comments that were made a while back. Um, and essentially what they're saying is either one person made the comment, and I believe it was one of um, the former president's lawyers, that the only place they knew of in scripture where somebody used the plural pronouns to refer to themselves was she referred to the, the passage in Matthew, but I actually have it in Mark because that's the one that has come up a couple times in other places. Um, but she was talking about the moment when Jesus confronts Legion at the, the Gerasene demoniac. Um, and then there was a pastor, um, E.W. Jackson, who made a similar comment that his feeling was that anybody that uses those personal pron or the, the plural pronouns towards themselves, that they, them, is basically admitting that they are possessed by multiple demons. Um, and I want to talk a little bit about that because the reality is, is the mentality behind that meme is not that these folks are victims of demonic possession or demonic um harassment, but that they are 
Satan incarnate and, and should be pilloried for their preferred use of pronouns. Now, I will tell you right now, I, I don't have that conversation with some of the people I love very dearly because they are in the camp that believes that um, asking people to call you they, them is a perfectly rational, reasonable thing to do. And I, that is not a battle I'm willing to fight with them. So I'm usually fairly quiet on this topic. I also, though, am a, <laughs> a stickler for English. <laughs> and so my problem is that there's a lack of clarity in language when somebody asks you to call them they, them as an individual person that you know who they are. But the issue with this is there's twofold. And I'm going to address the English issue first, and then we're going to come back to the scriptural issue. The English issue that this meme gets completely and totally wrong is that when you have folks that are part of the non-binary, transgender, whatever, it's usually the non-binary folks that, that call themselves non-binary that will tell you to call them they, them. When you have them asking you to call them that, they're not asking you to call them the plural they're asking you to use that term the same way you would if you were referring to an individual person whose sex you did not know. So sometimes when you will talk about a person, your neighbor went to the store. They picked up eggs and milk. Now, if I said your neighbor and I didn't know which neighbor it was and I didn't know the gender of your neighbor, then I would refer to them as they and them in the rest of that conversation and you would recognize that I was using that terminology about a single individual person and not about multiple people because that's how the English language works. So they, them is a plural pronoun, but it is also an indeterminate pronoun. And that is typically speaking the way a non-binary person uses that pronoun. Now I, again, am not going to use that pronoun when I'm talking to somebody and I know that they happen to be a girl and they happen to be a boy. Um, because I am, I favor clarity of language because the point of language is communication. And at the same time, the implication of what I just said about the, the attitude and the thought behind that use of pronoun and the requested use of that pronoun by some individuals is heartbreaking if you stop to think about it. Because the reality is, is that what they are really expressing is that they are unknown to themselves, that they are unknown to society at a fundamental level. At a fundamental level, they feel unknown, unseen, and unknowable. And for a human being to feel unknown, unseen, and unknowable is a heartbreaking thing because the reality is, is for us, we crave nothing more than to be fully known and in that to be loved. We crave that because God fully knows us and fully loves us exactly as he made us and he sees us exactly as he made us despite all of the flaws, despite the sin that separates us, despite the brokenness of the world. God sees us as he created us to be and so he knows us at that fundamental level but nobody else does. 
And frequently, we don't know ourselves at that fundamental level. And so when I hear people referring to themselves as they and them or referring to to another person as they, them and asking people to refer to them as they, them, that hurts my heart. It doesn't make me think they're wicked, terrible people. It makes me think that they are in a lot of pain and in need of people who love them and care for them and will speak Jesus into their lives, that will speak light into their lives and life into their lives, that will help them to overcome that sense of disconnectedness and that sense of not being knowable and lovable and and welcome in the world. Um, so that's the one end of this. And that that is a kind of core as to why I have such a negative reaction to the other end of this. So when we use scripture to beat each other over the head and we pull it out of context and we slap it in a meme and we use it to call people demons, um, we're really not behaving in a very Christ-like fashion, especially when the people we are talking about from, from our perspective really are trapped in a delusion that comes from a wicked, wicked place. And I want to be really clear about that because delusion is a word that we use and people get very offended if you tell them they're delusional. And I would be very offended if somebody tells me I'm delusional, but the reality is, is we all have delusions in our life to one degree or another. And it is only Christ that is able to clear those delusions from our minds. So I'm not saying that as an insult to people caught in this particular delusion. There are a lot of delusions. I have been victim of some of those delusions myself around sexuality. When I was a teen, when I was much younger than I am today, I was under the delusion that sex was an identical thing to love. And in order to be loved, I had to be willing to have sex with whoever it was I wanted to love me. And that is a very strong delusion that is pushed by our society. And quite frankly, it is as heartbreaking as the delusion that surrounds transgenderism. It is as heartbreaking as the delusion that surrounds homosexuality. It is, it is as heartbreaking as the delusions that surround polyamory and bigamy and honestly, divorce, which I have also had the delusion that that would somehow be a good thing in my life. And so we have, all of us have delusions that are a part of our life that the Lord is working on clearing. He's, he's working on opening our eyes and awakening us to the sins that still have purchase in our lives, to the, the delusions that Satan has put out in the world to tempt us away from the Lord and to tempt us away from the patterns that he, that God has put in place to protect us and to help us to grow and to thrive and to love one another well, to be loved by him well. There are patterns that the Lord gives us that will cause us to be in closer and closer relationship to him and to one another. And in so doing, we fulfill our purposes here on earth and the devil wants nothing more than to disrupt that. And he will utilize every delusion that the world can possibly come up with in order 
to stop us from being in those spaces of thriving in relationship with God. And so when I look at those who are stuck in this, this concept of transgenderism and binary, non-binary and, and all of them, what you see is confusion and chaos in the messaging, in, in the ways that they view themselves, in the language that they use. And that tells me that that is not of God. And anything that is not of God, see, I am very much one of those who is of the opinion that all of the, the gods that are referred to in scripture essentially are part of his enemy's army. So they would be part of the Satan's army, which would make them demonic in nature. And so all of the powers and principalities and, and things like that in the world right now, they are either from God or they're demonic. And if their main function is to sow chaos and discord and to disrupt people's relationship with God, we can be fairly certain that they are not of a godly origin. So I don't disagree with the notion that the concepts behind the transgender ideology and the LGBTQ ideology, all of that is demonic in nature, but that is different than sitting here saying, those of you who refer to yourself as they and them, and, and we and us are demons. And that's really kind of the message that comes when you take this out of context and put it in a single sentence on a, on a, a, a picture, whatever that picture may be. And so the other problem with this is it's not accurate. Because the premise behind it is that the only place you see this in scripture is the demons talk about themselves this way. And the impression is that it's all the demons that talk about themselves this way, and that's not the case. There are certain instances where there are multiple demons. So we're going to come to the mark here. Um, mark 5. It says, they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart, and he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him and crying out with a loud voice, he said, what have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he was saying to him, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, what is your name? And he replied, my name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. So I'm going to stop here because we know the story of the pigs and that's really not the important part of this. So there's a couple things that I want us to kind of take away from this. The first of them actually comes from my friend, um, I'm going to ask you to pardon the interruption. It is the beginning of spring break and my little ones are home and apparently still awake at quarter to midnight. Um, my grandkids are living here. So it was prayer time for Emma. Um, so back to what I was saying in this passage, 
On the one hand, you have people talking about how the demons refer to themselves in they, them, we, us fashion and the they, them as a plural, but that is not the case typically with demons. What you're seeing here is actually a legion of demons. We are many is referring to the concept that this is not one demon in this man. There are actually plural. And so if we were to refer to legion, we would be referring to they and them, not because it's the same fashion of it being a demonic term. They and them is not a demonic term, correct? Neither is we us a demonic term. It is the appropriate pronouns for multiple beings. So that's the first thing that we want to be careful of there. The second would be in this that the we us part of this, we are many, is not the only place you hear this. So that was what one of the people, the only people I know of, or the only place I know of in scripture where, you know, an entity refers to itself as we and us is here in math in Mark or Matthew when we're talking about the demoniac here. The reality is, is you hear this again. You hear it in Isaiah. You hear it in Isaiah mm, chapter 6, verse, let's see, where is that? Verse 8, and I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And then I said, here I am, send me. The Lord frequently refers to himself in the us, we, um, the plurals of we and us in scripture. You hear God speak in that terminology. That's one of the foundations for the concept of the Trinity is that the Lord speaks in that. We call it a royal we because you hear that in, in Kings too, speaking in that, like the earthly Kings, I mean, not the scripture book, but Kings speak in that reference of the we and us reference as a royal we because there is a, a sense of a multiplicity behind that. So when the king speaks in the royal we. He's speaking on behalf of the nation that he represents. Um, when God speaks in the royal we, he is speaking on behalf of heaven, but he's also speaking on behalf of the, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Trinity that he is. And so when you hear, you know, that concept that only demons speak to themselves in the plural, or speak of themselves in the plural, that's not true. You hear that in other places and in other contexts. And I think that's really why this struck me when I was listening to this is because, or when I was seeing this is because we don't want scripture out of context. You can't take scripture out of context. We cannot sit here and use bits and pieces of scripture, run through the filter of um, somebody's political philosophy that they wanted to utilize a, a bit of scripture to support and then make that our mantra with regard to an entire group of people and label them as demons as a result or anything else for that matter. We cannot do that with scripture. That is, it, 
categorically wrong. It misrepresents who God is and it misrepresents how he relates to us. The other thing about this, and this is what I actually was going to first before I got interrupted. Um, the reason this particular passage came to my mind uh, was that my friend, Dorcas Beth Andrews, she has a, um, a blog site called Deeper Roots that she writes every day. And she shares this on Facebook with us every day. And I always love her writing. It's quite wonderful. And she got into the issue of, um, let's see, how do I want to put that? Um, she was discussing the issue of chapters and verses in scripture that originally when Mark was written, it was not written with chapters and verses. It was written with a story and a purpose. And so the story that we see here is not, um, I'm sorry, I'm looking for the path or for the one that she wrote and I'm not finding it. So the one, what we see here is one in four stories in the book of Mark here, and it actually begins in Mark 4. And so when these were added in later, maybe it wasn't Beth, maybe it was my friend Catherine Judson instead. Uh, what we find is that there are four stories that speak to the sovereignty of Jesus Christ. And this is one in those four stories. So the first part of that story actually begins in chapter four, where Jesus is walking, um, or Jesus is in the boat with the disciples and a storm comes up uh, and the disciples are freaking out and thinking they're all gonna die. And Jesus is taking a nap and they wake him up and he speaks to the storm and says, peace be still and the winds and the waves they cease and so jesus demonstrates his power over nature here in this space and then they get to the other side and they get to the the um the demoniac here and he speaks to the demons and he casts them out and so he demonstrates his power and authority over the demons and over the supernatural world and then after that, there's a great crowd that is following, uh, following him. Um, and we have, let's see. The woman with the, the discharge of blood. So we have a disease in this woman that has affected her for 12 years. Nothing has worked. She is um, suffered much. The physicians have all tried to help her. She has spent everything she's had and she's not gotten any better. And Jesus, she comes and touches his garment and just touching his garment brings healing to this woman. And so he has demonstrated his power over nature, his power over the supernatural, his power over disease. And finally he reaches Jairus's house and he raises Jairus's daughter from the dead. So he is demonstrating his power even over death. And so we have this string of four stories together in Mark that demonstrates who Jesus is. Jesus is God of authority, 
who is able to overcome nature and who is able to overcome the supernatural and who is able to come overcome disease and overcome death. And I want us for a minute before, this is the last thing I want us to kind of come to. So we see this power of Jesus here. And the power of God is a massive and awesome and awe-inspiring thing. It, it, it causes us fear and trembling. After Jesus calms the waves and the storm, the disciples are like, who is this that commands even the winds and the waves? And they were afraid, right? So they were afraid of Jesus. And so this kind of power that we see in Christ is a little terrifying to us. As human beings, when we encounter what C.S. Lewis calls the numinous, um, there is a dread that comes upon us. Except with Jesus, that dread is mitigated. Because we see in the Gospel of John, and we see as he speaks, little girl, I say to you, rise. We see as he speaks to the woman with the blood, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed. We see Jesus speaking from a place of love and grace to those that he encounters, including this demoniac man. He speaks to him with love and with grace. And he says to him, go and tell everyone what God has done for you. That he has had mercy on you. And so when we look at the story of the demoniac, because one of my other friends had posted an article about the demonic nature of the transgender ideology in particular, and it's a really interesting article. Um, it, it's written by John Zmarek over at the stream. And he speaks about how the Satan hates all of God's creation. And his goal is to cause us to hate who we are. So that he can hurt the thing that God loves. And that's what the transgender ideology targets is is it introduces confusion to cause us to hate our very being at the most basic level to cause us to dislike ourselves our bodies who we were made to be at a very very basic level because it separates us from God and that is the goal of the Satan, the adversary, the accuser, whatever you want to call him, that is the goal of the enemy of God is to tear the children of God to pieces if he can and to tear, to tear the human beings that have not become children of God yet, who have not already come under the blood of Christ and under the protection of Christ, it is to tear them away from God and to keep them from that reconciliation by causing them to hate themselves and to reject the love of God because they don't see themselves as worthy. And then they come to hate the God who made them unworthy. Uh, because they have a twisted understanding that, that comes from the delusions of the devil. And so this is what my, my friend John had posted was this article on this. And this is what I want us to see. When we look here at this passage in Mark... We see this man who has been living among the dead. 
He lives among the tombs, which were considered horrible places. The dead were off limits, anathema to the Jews. He was living in this tomb in a land where pigs were a normal thing. So again, were anathema to the Jews. He had been bound up with shackles and chains repeatedly. He would wrench the chains apart and broke the shackles to pieces. Can you just imagine what his arms and his legs must have looked like? The bruises and the wounds and the scars from breaking chains and shackles. Imagine how much damage he had done to his body as a result of pulling against these things. And night and day among the tombs, he was crying out and cutting himself with stones. And what do you think about that? How many people do you know in these communities? Um, not just those communities, among our teens and our young adults who cut themselves out of shame, out of self-loathing, out of hurt and trauma who cut themselves simply to feel something. It is a horrible, horrible place to be. Crying out and cutting yourself because you can't find a way of loving who you are. This is the state of this man that Jesus is coming to here. This brokenness, this crying out, this bleeding, scarred, filthy shell of a man in this place. And Jesus's response is to cast the demons out of him and restore him. So Jesus doesn't look on this man and say, oh, you're a demon and you need to go to hell. And he doesn't look on this man and say, oh, you're a terrible, wicked man. And I, I cast you away from me. He doesn't look on this man and ridicule him for being filthy and scarred and broken and stuck in chains. He doesn't look at this man and heap shame and misery on him. He looks at this man and offers him the love of God and the freedom that comes from the love of God. The love that comes with the power over demons to set men free. That is the thing that we need to take from this story. And as we deal with people in this life, whatever the demons are that are messing with them, whether it is the transgender stuff or whether it is depression and anxiety or eating disorders or promiscuity, drug addiction, pornography, the list goes on and on. We're in an age where we invent ways of doing evil. No matter what it is that demons are tormenting people with, no matter what new hell they find themselves bound in, our response should not be ridicule 
and finger pointing and condemnation, our response should be to speak the name of Jesus in power and in love to set them free from the bonds that, that are killing them. To set them free from the pain that causes them to mutilate themselves in various ways. And our compassion should be overflowing in that because there is not a single one of us that has not been called out of some kind of darkness into his glorious light. So my friends, I pray for us tonight. God, help us not to demonize those who are already demon harassed. Help us to remember, Lord God, the darkness that we came out of so that we can share the light that you've called us into. Help us to remember that along with the power and the authority of Jesus Christ that calms the storms and frees us from demons and heals us of sickness and even raises us from the dead, that with that power, Lord God, there is a love so infinite that it will reach whoever is willing to hear, and that it is our job, Father God, not to scream condemnation at people and call them demons, but to speak hope and light and love to them. It is not, it is not for us to condemn. That isn't to say, Lord God, that we should soft pedal the truth. I know there are those that will hear this and will reject and will push against and say, but we have to tell the truth. Yes, we do. The truth is sin is anything that separates us from God. And if your word says something is a sin, Father God, it is a sin. But we all sin. And there are none that are worse than others. We are called to speak your light to the sinners because it is the sinners that Jesus came to save. It is the demon possessed that Jesus came to free. It is those who are caught in these chains that Jesus came to heal and bring back from their darkness and their death and their brokenness. Lord God, show us how to do that. Show us how to do that in the here and in the now. Show us how to speak life, Lord, into these dead places. Help us to be holy as you are holy. And in that holiness, Father, help us to remember that your love is a part of that holiness. And it is the greatest command that you've given us. Father, we thank you for this. We thank you for your light. We thank you for your word. And we thank you for your son. I pray in the name of your spirit, Lord God, that you would guide us in our every conversation and in our every relationship with all of those who are struggling in all of the myriad ways that we find to hurt ourselves these days. In Jesus' name, amen. Be blessed and be a blessing.